Hello, my name is Dylan, and this is the Heroes of Reality podcast, a place where I interview heroes of reality, of life, science, technology, and more, and I share the stories, lessons, journeys, inspiring you to be the hero of your reality. And on today's podcast, I interviewed Teresa Vigarino. She spent over 30 years cultivating, seeking, learning, and experiencing to emerge as a conduit of healing for others. She blends together a combination of neuroscience, emotional trauma release, activation of Christ consciousness, and shamanism. And she weaves all this together in her client's work known as Soul Essence Alchemy. She's recently founded a nonprofit called Mom's House for Children that's on a mission to eradicate homelessness for the orphans in the world's most vulnerable locations. In this podcast, we talk about a range of topics a lot around the healing work that people need to do in order to feel the most alive, mental models that you can overlay with common places so that you can make better decisions in your time of struggles and need, and the mental buffs that you can go through to have nighttime patterns that will help you lay the mental foundations to hit the next day the way you intended it to be. So without any further ado, I'd like to welcome Teresa Figarino. Hey, Teresa, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Dylan. It's a pleasure. Yeah. It's great to see your face again. It's been a little while. I know. It's been too long. <laughs> and we must remedy this and see each other in person. I hope soon. A hundred percent. Now, you just, yeah. got, you just got back from Africa. Is that correct? I got back from Africa in January and uh-huh. just got back from the Amazon last week. So I have been moving and shaking all over the place. Okay, so uh, <laughs> I love it. I love that you're traveling all around the world. Um, what brought you back from uh, Peru, and what brought you back from Africa? What what brought you on those missions? <laughs> Yes. Well, as you know, I've been to Peru. That makes my fifth time since the first time I met you in November 2017. Wow. And I keep going back for the medicine, which we can talk about. Uh, But Mm -hmm. in January, I went to South Africa because I'm on a mission to help this region, help the African children, particularly in South Africa. But we're already venturing into Mozambique and Zimbabwe. Um, Just... As something I've wanted to do since as long as I could remember. And 15, 16 years ago, I had the great opportunity of traveling to the region and just falling in love and seeing the need that is so, so incredible. And I made a promise that I would come back. And when I did, I would help the kids. So that's what I'm doing. And it's even grown more than that. It's water, it's clinics, it's all kinds of things. So it's, 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 it's mushrooming even as we speak. So you are going into the heart of Africa, Mozambique, and you are helping the children in Africa by building villages and water and, and all of that? There, there is a huge need. And in this region where we're first starting in South Africa has actually been very affected by the HIV virus. When I was in South Africa 15 years ago, treatment was unavailable. So there's a whole generation of parents that had passed. Um, 
you know, for a lot of different reasons, just culturally, monogamy is not something that they practiced in, at, the, at the tribal level. So we're talking about rural South Africa outside of Kruger National Park, which is the park that people go to for tourism and, and big game drives. Um, and so Mozambique is where a lot of this originated. And the Mozambicans infiltrated into South Africa as refugees. And it's the refugee children particularly that are very hard hit because they get zero government assistance. And so I've traveled recently, like I said, in January to really dial in where we're going to build first and start that project. And, and it's just rolling quickly because there is so much incredible need in that area. That's incredible. Uh, so you said you've had a passion for this, uh, since the beginning. I mean, what, I mean, what drives you for this? I mean, what is the, I mean, the holy grail, if you would, but what is the, the, the motivation? Like how, how, what was the genesis of the motivation? Well, you know, Dylan, this started so early in my life mm -hmm. and it was truly a, a secret in my heart as a child and as a teenager. And it was, a, it was a, a host of reasons. First, my mother, my mother was orphaned very early in life. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that that had, that left an imprint on my heart. I remember a specific day that I found a letter a handwritten letter in a box of photos and my mother we were all looking at these photos and my mom didn't remember seeing that letter before and it was the last communication that her mother was able to give her daughters my mother was five and her young sister was three and she was dying in the hospital of lymphoma and she passed and then two years later her father passed and I remember being deeply deeply affected by the knowledge of my mother growing up without parents. And then we see these pictures all those years, you know, in the 80s, you're too young for this. But in the 70s and 80s, we saw the devastation of drought and famine and illness. And, and my mother told me recently, she remembers me saying I was like 10 years old, why aren't more people helping these children? Why are these children starving? And I, and I said, I promise when I grow up, I'm going to do something about it. Wow. I'm going to help. That's beautiful. That's incredible. Well, it took until I was 50. <laughs> but, you know, better late than never. And this is my full purpose. And it's front and center. And, and that's why I went in January. That's incredible. To start the year off in the decade with that soul it's, mission. With that intention, with that focus, with that mission, with that purpose. And then just make it happen. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yep. So what do you like... That is the, I mean, that's a big calling. That is, that is immense. That's powerful. That's, that's a driving force. Um, in order to do that, I mean, you have, I mean, you, you are of service to people in other ways. Um, besides mm -hmm. that, um, um, what do you do currently? And um, um, how does that tie into your big mission? Yeah, so... I've had been life coaching for a long time and went through tons of training mm. and mentorships with very famous neuroscientists, with quantum physicists. I mean, the big of the big. And I was developing a clientele in mm. that space. I quickly learned that there was more that I needed to offer. And I went very deep into the realm of alternative healing. 
my life, as you know, has been one that I've had to turn over stones for my body to stay, mm-hmm. right? I've, I have faced death many, many, many times. I've had near-death experiences. I've seen the angelic realm. I've been face-to-face with Jesus, divine mothers, God. I've, I've seen the other side. I've felt the other side. Um, it's been, and every time that I'm, I, I, have a moment where I'm talking to the spirit and I, I know that I have a choice of staying in the body or not. And I always choose to stay in the body. When I come out of whatever that was a sickness, usually a a really devastating sickness. Um, I just have more, more connection, Mm -hmm. uh, strength, fearlessness, spiritual gifts, awarenesses, and it just has been like, oh my gosh, it's been like an education the past four years. I've been going to school a lot. Lots of leveling up, a lot of experience points gained. So much, so much. It's made my head spin. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've seen you battle some threshold guardians. Um, do you want to talk to me a little bit about uh, some of the battles you've been under and kind of through those battles where you felt like you couldn't have made it, but you were able to come through? And, and then what were some of the takeaways from those battles? Yes, certainly. My life has been one where I've mastered a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And so to master anything, you have to go through the dark side of it. Yeah. And from bad relationships to very poor health, a lifelong chronic progressive auto, deadly autoimmune disease, to growing up with a lot of childhood trauma, a lot of abuse in my background, a lot of violence that I endured, witnessed, um, and then you know divorce and raising kids by myself while I was very sick. It, it it was it felt in my life that I was constantly having to overcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what brought me to the jungle and ayahuasca and all the plant medicine is because Western medicine stopped working for this particular illness. It's known as diffuse systemic sclerosis. So it's a systemic illness and it is affecting my organs, my blood vessels, my musculoskeletal system, uh, have lesions in my brain and growths in my brain. Even as we speak, I've had liver failure. I've had kidneys not working. I've had bad EKGs, collapsing lungs, you name it, I've been through it. And so I was told I needed to really discover plant medicine and got that invitation Mm -hmm. and arrived two days later in the jungle with you and the rest of that group. And I went through a lot and you saw me go through a lot. And it was a cleansing of all the medications I had been on. Although my diet was clean, it's way more cleaner now. I'm vegetarian and working towards vegan where, you know, but man, I can't give up that parm on the pasta, you know, that one, it's the kicker. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Cheese is the bacon of the veggie world. (laughs) Oh my God, it is. It really is. So, you know, I'm doing pretty well, but there's still that little bitty bit that I'm like, what the heck? I've given everything up. I got to have Parmesan on my pasta. I'm a bigorino. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, um, yeah, I went through a lot. I went through feeling like I was going to die many times in the jungle. (laughs) And what got me through it truly, I think, is just the grace of God. Mm-hmm. And faith. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a night, as you know, that I didn't think I was going to make it. Yeah, I, I, uh, 
I saw you praying from the porcelain gods in the distance going, hey, you know, <laughs> help me out, please save me. But I, you know, seeing you go through that much struggle, I mean, I was, I was thoroughly impressed to, to watch you go through that and then rise again and then go and then come back. Even after oh, we yeah. left, you came back again and again and again. Yeah. And it was incredibly yeah. impressive to, to watch that, uh, the persistence of your character and, and kind of the, one of the things I find interesting about people that kind of rise up and transform themselves, they have to kind of sacrifice who they are for who they want to be, which means they have to go through some mm-hmm. horrendous experience. And there's mm. various paths on doing that. And so one was is the medicine path. Another one is could be uh, social challenges or psychological or whatever that might be. Um, but mm-hmm. um, in order to uh, level up skills, right, to, to be a mentor, I feel like you have to uh, be willing to sacrifice yourself for what you're going to be. What do you think, you know, the people that you coach, um, the people that you help, what do you think is that cave that most of them fear to enter? What is the thing that, you know, people that you typically do coaching, counseling, guidance for, what are the, what is the, the experiences that they need to go through um, or, or realize in order to transform themselves? How do they get that hero status? That's a great. That's a great question. And I will tell you across the board, whatever it is, whether it's money stories, health stories, relationship stories, whatever it is, people lose hope based upon their past experience about that area in their life. And the biggest thing I impact that I want to have on people is there's always hope. And, and they have to learn that just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mm-hmm. mean it won't and how to wire their brain to the belief system. So that is the, the cave is people get to where because they they've been heartbroken or disappointed or hurt or wounded Mm -hmm. they lose hope in their dreams Mm. so they live in fear of even dreaming and believing that it's possible it's a learned helplessness they are they experience something they fail at it and they become associate that identity to i am a failure in this thing therefore i don't want to yes. hurt myself so i won't even dream that's it's so true and that is the biggest thing that i try to mm. tell people is don't give up on your dreams yeah. you have that dream for a reason and so many people say to me well you know god must not want this for me no that's not true you know you know i'm a spiritual teacher so mm. i'll interject this. God wants what you want to make you happy. You know what I mean? There's not an arbitrator in the sky saying, well, you've been good, so I'm going to bless you. And you've been bad, so I'm not going to bless you. I mean, it doesn't even make sense. Yeah, It's not that way. It's we, we create our experience truly by what we believe. Yeah. Well, what's interesting about that is two people might experience the same uh, situation, and it could be a, a stress intense situation. One person views it as a strength, as a lift up, a build. Another one views it as, well, this is why I can't succeed, right? And it's that ability yeah. to, to choose between the two. How do you have someone who has lost hope because of the experiences reframe those things in their mind to understand that it is possible? Is there any stories, insights, um, affirmations, or 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 some sort of um, um, uh, mental models that they can get into the head to be able to reshape those negative Absolutely. psychological conditions. Yeah. Absolutely. So one of the first things that I do when I'm working with a client is, you know, we, we look at 
the story of their life from a global perspective, from the mm-hmm. observer's perspective. You know, so you kind of take yourself out of it and you look and you will learn by observing your life like it's a, a story, right? A yeah. movie or, or a story that you're reading, that there are patterns. And these patterns exist because of our neural pathways in our brain. And we know through science, through neuroscience, that 95% of what's showing up in our life is based on a neural pathway, a belief system that's become hardwired over time. When you have a neural pathway to a belief system, I'm going to break that down in a second, you know, with like example. When you have a neural pathway for Mm -hmm. a belief system, that is what will show evidence in your reality. It, because it influences your thoughts, which influences your emotions and your feelings, which then drives your behavior, your language, and it becomes your creative point, right? So mm-hmm. your behavior is driven by all of this. And so you end up creating that scenario. For example, I'll use myself. I grew up and I grew up with some violence and some dysfunction and abuse. And I had a belief system that I was a victim. Now, I did not know this until I was probably in my late 30s. And I'll be 51 in, you know, two weeks. So it took me a long time and a lot of relationships and situations and scenarios where I, and it it proved the neural pathway. Okay, it Mm -hmm. proved it. Now, it was still a blind spot because who wants to ever admit that they view themselves as a victim? So as I was working with the neuroscientists and some advanced advanced study, we, you know, I discovered this. I was like, aha, the light bulb came off. I'm the common denominator and everything here. It's got to be me, right? Yeah. I couldn't blame anybody anymore. When we take responsibility over everything in our life path and we say, wait a minute, I, no one put a gun to my head and made me marry that person or go with, do this or make that decision. I'm responsible for it all. Then I'm able to, I was able to unweave those patterns and it came down to, I believed I was a victim because I had been victimized as a child. So Mm. what we believe when we're kids has a wiring that begins and that wiring, that neural pathway is attached to an experience and a memory. you have an original, yeah, so you have original incident, some sort of thing that shapes wounds. your framed wounds, yeah. original wounds that says, I am a victim. Therefore, whenever anything happens, it's not my fault. It is these external situations that cause this pain. Woe is me. It is not my fault. I am just a victim. And that victim mentality yes. causes you to kind of re-manifest um, uh, those realities yes. again and again and again yes. because you yes. are stuck in this loop. And so what you do, yes. and, and please correct me if I'm wrong here, is you help people see their own story arch and then they yes. and you help them identify the patterns of their life and, and the stories that they tell themselves and separate the fact that this is not reality. This is just a story you're telling yourself and that story you mm-hmm. can rewrite. And if you can rewrite that story, you can go from being a victim to being an empowered person that takes action over their life. Woohoo! <laughs> you got it. Is that it? Now there, it goes even, yes, it is, and it goes even further. <laughs> okay. So that's like the neuroscientific aspect of it, right? Mm-hmm. But as we speak this certain language, and as we emote, okay, we create through our emotions as well. We we th- you know our thoughts and our feelings don't just stay inside of our own body. Mm-hmm. So what happens is is that energy, that frequency, becomes part of our electromagnetic field. 
Hmm. which we, 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 you know, it's like when you're, imagine you're standing somewhere, we've all had this happen to us. You don't hear somebody behind you, but you feel them hmm. because they've entered into your auric field. And so we, we have these magnets in our electromagnetic field, right, hmm. of our belief systems and our feelings and experiences. And what happens is you have the thought that you're a victim. That's how you're feeling. That's how you're emoting. That's how you're speaking. That's how you're behaving. And what happens is the perfect counterpart is drawn to you. And and these people don't come and these situations don't come with the sign and say, hey, I'm going to victimize you. I'm going to be the same story you've always had. And, you know, look out and and six months from now, I'm going to blah, blah, blah. But it is a natural course of things. So until you heal. Mm. So, yes, we write the new story with our neural, neural pathways. However, until we heal the depth of where that emotional trauma and it doesn't have to be super traumatic. I've done this with thousands and thousands of people. It doesn't have to be, you know, terrible abuse. It can be, you know, your parents got divorced and dad was off working to pay the bills and you didn't grow up with a father that was physically present. A lot of times you can end up, a woman can end up repeating that relationship pattern because that is what she's used to. And the brain says, this is what we want. And the brain, because we're alive and we know that it mm-hmm. works because we're still alive. And it's not about whether it's good or bad. It's whether you're alive or not. So are you saying that people have a tendency, and, and this is just what I'm hearing, people have a tendency to choose bad patterns where they know they're going to suffer, but they're comfortable in that suffering, then choose other patterns of maybe uncomfortability, but they won't be suffering. Is that what you're saying? Well, yes, yes, and mm-hmm. yes, and no, because sure. no one, no one would would, you know, on purpose, you know, in a new relationship. Let's say, yeah. let's say it's new, a new intimate relationship. No, you know, and we know the people that have repeated patterns, right? Mm-hmm. From one, al- from an alcoholic to a drug addict to a gambler, you know. And I'm using extremes sure. so that it's really obvious. No one goes into the next one thinking it's going to turn out the same. So what the brain does, the amygdala, it's so tricky and so sneaky. This part of the brain, and remember, this is under the radar because 95% of what we're living is subconscious, okay? It's under the radar. It's not right here because in your conscious mind, you're saying, I want a great relationship. I want something different than I've had. And you tell yourself this, right? However, as long as you have a neural pathway for what you truly believe, which is if you grew up with an alcoholic father and didn't get the love you wanted or needed as a child, then you have a belief system that that's what you deserved and that's your worth. So it's the neural pathway coupled with the emotional trauma. So you go into these relationships and this brain, the brain of ours, it's just such a supercomputer, can recognize these vibrations and these, the subconscious minds all can recognize one another and the spirit can recognize one another and the energies of each other, we can recognize one another and the brain will trick us and, and we will have this euphoric feeling like, whoa, this is so amazing. This is so fantastic. And we can feel like it's fate. In reality, it's familiarity. Mm. And the brain is saying, yes, we've done this all our life. We know how to do this. We can stay alive because we've already lived through it and we know how. Yeah. yeah the, the, the mind wants to keep you alive over anything else, even over your own suffering. Yes. 
Mm. Yes. So again, this part of the brain, it's not about whether it's good or bad. Mm-hmm. Whether it's healthy or unhealthy, it's about staying alive or not. And if you don't have the neural pathway for something new, so you have to deliberately create that. If you don't have that pathway for something new, that neural pathway, once it gets triggered, you know, it will travel down the road it's used to. It doesn't have a place to go. Mm-hmm. Well, then let me ask so you. So you have to intentionally, you have to intentionally create it. Gotcha. Well, yeah, let me ask you this then. So, I mean, it, it, it's, it sounds, you know, quote unquote, easy to just, oh, I'm going to map out my life and I'm going to write these patterns out and then I'm going to go back and I'm going to fix my my uh, original wound that I got and then everything will be great. But it, it may not start there. How do you, yeah. how, what advice would you give to uh, some young hero or person um, that is on, a, on, a, on this path where they are transitioning from one place to another? They go to take a step and they just notice, they have that like, that instant of, oh, I'm starting the same pattern again. How, what, yeah. what do you do to get, what do you get? They recognize that moment and they understand the trigger, but it's, it, they're at the teetering point where they go down the hill back on the same path again. How do you get mm-hmm. them to switch tracks and go down it? Is there? Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. Yeah, you're so smart. I love it. Um, <laughs> okay, so the brain is going to even like trigger physiological responses. Mm-hmm. The brain is going to want you to keep making the, the same decisions and, and, and behave in the same way in your life. So there is an awesome, and I'll provide this for you. It's an exercise and your audience can download it. It'll be a downloadable PDF with Mm -hmm. an explanation of it and the actual worksheet. And the neuroscientist, my, one of my greatest mentors, uh, Dr. David Kruger, look him up. He's noted as one of the most influential mental health professionals ever. Wow. He taught me this and it helped me. It, I still use this. It's called the trigger sheet exercise. And basically it's a sheet of paper mm-hmm. and you make two, you make three columns. So you have two vertical lines equally spaced and you have a header at the top and the top left corner, you title it triggers the center column. It's negative response, old story. The right column is ideal response, new story. And this sheet Mm -hmm. will be your starting point of creating a new story. Mm -hmm. You've got to preemptively begin to to create the neural pathway. Because again, if you get triggered into a belief system and you don't have a new belief system in its place, Mm -hmm. and it's painstaking at first. I tell people, I said, you even will get fearful of making the other decision, creating a new story, an ideal response, right? Mm -hmm. Because your brain is going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is a path we know. Yeah. Just like you were saying. And it's painful. It's painful to do something new that your brain is looking around and around and around for a frame of reference Mm -hmm. for when you've made that decision before. And if it's a new story, you haven't yet. Yeah. So the, the uncertainty in their, in our minds equals death. Um, and you're really just yes. trying to find, so, uh, you need to proactively say, okay, I know that these are my triggers and these are my triggers yes. and these are my belief patterns, my negative belief patterns. Yes. And if I go yes. through that, I, I don't get any experience points. I don't level up at all because I just go through the same cycle, the same drama, the same pain, the same fear. And there's no, there's no circling upwards. So if you go, I know my trigger, I know my yeah. negative belief pattern. I choose yes. this one instead. Yes. 
Yeah. Yes. That's very powerful. And you know what's interesting, mm. Dylan, is I've, I've done this exercise one-on-one. I've done it at workshops. I've done it for, I don't even know how many thousands of people have this sheet and have done this with me. Usually by the time they get to the ideal response in the news story, it's very difficult at first because the brain is busy looking around. Mm-hmm looking for the new response for the trigger. And it doesn't matter if it's a money story, a health story, a business story, a relationship story. It doesn't matter what the trigger is. The ideal news story, the ideal response that everyone wants, it's the same. Mm. We all want the same stuff. It's peace. Mm -hmm. It's abundance. It's happiness. It's love. It's joy. It's camaraderie. It's community. It's feeling connected. It's freedom, liberation. Everyone wants the same stuff in life. Yeah. We all want the, the, the same end result feelings. We just go about it different ways, right? So we're, yes. all, we're all journeying to the same destination, but we just have different roads, different paths that we're taking. Yes, absolutely. And I want to add to that. Yeah. So for me, I had some really strong triggers mm-hmm. that it was very, and I was being, I was triggered every day. It was during my divorce and I had so much pain and trauma from that experience. And I would go into these dark, dark, dark places of despair mm-hmm. and hopelessness. And I was extremely, extremely sick at the same time and raising these, these beautiful children of mine. And and it was hard to even, even when I knew what I wanted that new story to be, yeah. it was hard because I wanted to be angry and I wanted to be unforgiving and I wanted to be punishing. Yeah. So for me to pick the new story of freedom and peace and forgiveness and compassion and understanding and all of those things, I would have to talk, self-talk. I'd have to say, Teresa, it is in your best interest to pick the new story. And I added a visual in my mind's eye. Hmm. You know, being a mountaineer and a rock climber, I picked being on the trail Uh and I picked a fork in the road. So I share this with everyone. It could be maybe you're a cyclist and maybe it's you're at a a, 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 like a a T-bone stop, you know, where you could go right or left. Mm -hmm. And for me, going down and left, probably because I'm right handed and down Mm -hmm. is down, right? Uh That would be going down the old way. So for me, literally, I took the high road and I took the upper trail and I would hike up. And that visual just for like two seconds helped me to stay in the new story. That's super interesting. You know what that makes me think of? And I'd love to get Mm. your, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. You know, the memory palace, the memory palace. It's like, if you want to remember, if you want to remember something, you want to remember a series of things, what you do is let's just say I'm trying to remember, I don't know, um, the different suits in a deck of cards, uh, seven of clubs, uh, ace of diamonds, things like that. It's difficult to remember if you just try to remember a bunch in a row, but if you do a memory palace, what you do is you walk around a place that you know, like just to say it's Mm -hmm. your office or your, or your house. Right. And so, you know, in your bedroom, you would imagine the ace of clubs and then down the hallway, you'd imagine the seven of hearts. And then in the, um, in the living room, you'd imagine the three of spades or whatnot. And you have a visual anchor to tie in that, that mental reference. And what you're doing is almost laying what I would call augmented reality or augmented imagery on top of the Mm -hmm. memory palace to help you remember those items in order. Right. And that's called the memory palace. Oh, 
right? Right. So that's a memory palace. What sounds like what you did is you made, in sense, not necessarily a memory palace, but almost like a a a memory path or map where you took places that you were familiar with in your mind, like like biking or climbing and you laid out this framework and then on top of that you laid in okay i am familiar with this territory but i am unfamiliar with this decision or action so i will take it like a sign road and i will basically hammer it down as an overlay of my mental model and so i'm familiar with this unfamiliar with that but this will allow me to to go back to this anchor point and then make a decision do you know what i'm saying yes and and you know and it happens in two seconds yeah (laughs) <laughs> or even the nanosecond, even the nanosecond, like honestly, we get triggered mm-hmm. and, and, and a lot of times, and especially in an area where we have a lot of pain and suffering and we haven't been able to master that area. Yeah. Right. So we get triggered so easily there. And, and honestly, a lot of times we don't even know the thought, how you can tell is how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. So it's really important mm-hmm. to stay in tune with your feelings and your emotions because that's the greatest indicator of all. 100%. Yeah, and sometimes it's very difficult to separate the uh, sensation from just the environment and say, oh, you don't, why am I feeling this? I have no idea. This just is. I am this way yes. or, or whatever the thing might be. You're not, you're not in deep enough for that. Would it be helpful then to say if you had those, uh, that, that trifold of trigger, uh, old pattern, new pattern, if you actually had that and then you started building out those mental models of this is what I'm familiar with and I'm going to lay each one of these things on a path. So when I feel X, if I feel uh, worthless in this situation, I'm going to think of this. And you, would that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's all choice, right? Mm-hmm. And so the more we choose the way we would rather feel about anything in life, mm-hmm. the more that that becomes hardwired. Mm-hmm. And it truly becomes our, our state of yeah. being. And it is, yes, there's a million tools, right, to yeah. change your state. A million tools. I specifically work with areas in people's lives that they're really sad about, really traumatized about, really hopeless about, mm-hmm. like the, the worst part of their life. Yeah. And we transform that together. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, you, I mean... Yeah. You know, a lot of times, you know, people want to level up whatever they, whatever it, uh, deep emotional trauma, uh, skill sets, whatever it is, but you need a coach. You need someone to anchor onto to carry you to the next place because you want to get there. You have the will, but not the way. Right. And so mm-hmm. you, you, you help side that path. Um, I would love to hear. Um, about some of your guiding mentors, because you mentioned one of them. Um, do yeah. you have uh, uh, him or a couple of others along the past that have helped guide you, uh, give you the strength to carry on and, and any lessons learned from them? Sure. I mean, Dr. Dave is the big one. Mm-hmm. He is a dear friend of mine and uh, he is just an incredible teacher. So obviously him, because he taught me about my mind. I learned a lot from a lot of teachers over the years being a seeker yeah. and having this illness since I was a little girl, I was forced to in my 20s, especially um understand the body mind spirit connection so i read every book i could find i went to every class mm-hmm. i could go to everything because i knew that i was going to have to self-heal and um most recently is the shamans the shamans yeah. have taught me so much about energy 
Mm. And that has been like an, a massive awakening. So there's Dr. David Kruger. There's also Michael Bernoff. He's in Phoenix, Arizona. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot about him with storytelling and, and the patterns that we live out. So I, I really went deep diving into the brain and into mm-hmm. the mind. Um, but there's been a lot of spiritual teachers as well. Sure. So with the, the storytelling, is it, is it stories you tell other people, stories you tell yourself? Or how do you... I, the stories you tell yourself. Mm-hmm. And again, a lot of them are under the radar. So it is a, a self-discovery. It mm-hmm. is a, a deep dive of introspection, which by the way, you know, uh, one of my, one of a friend of mine said to me years ago was a doctor that I used to talk with regularly. And he said, Teresa, you know that to dance in life is great Mm. to dance with a partner is wonderful, but the dance with oneself is the best dance of all. Mm. And that truly has been my great awakening is learning who I am and, and particularly who I am in the cosmic realm and in the realm that we all originate from. And so learning more about that and, and adding that component to working with clients is the cherry on top of the icing on top of the cake. (laughs) (laughs) That's beautiful. It's all it's all part of it. You know, you gotta heal your yeah. body, you heal your emotions, heal your mind. And and really what I tell people, the greatest gift is that we have false identities. We have attachments to things such as our homes, our money, even being a parent, what we do for a living, how we look. How, what type of athlete we are, how good you cook in the kitchen, whatever. When really none of that, those are things we do, but that's not who we are. Mm. And so the final piece of all of this is knowing that you're a divine, unique creation and you are here, you are here to create your experience and your identity comes from that mm. because everything else is fleeting and you'll keep looking and you won't ever find it. So, so that's, that's deep. <laughs> that's deep. I, I know. I, you knew we were going to go there sooner or later, let's Dylan. Let's do it. No, let's, let's, I, I, I brought my swim gear. We're diving in with both feet here. So let's, let's unpack a little bit of that and some, some yeah. observations. And I'd love to dive in deep with you on this. Yeah. Um, there seems to be a... I don't want to say a personality trait, but an inner desire that I've noticed with uh, certain people, whether they are entrepreneurs or life coaches or um, people that are just, they are explorers. They are exploring the Mm. world to explore themselves. And I've Mm. always been curious about what that driving energy is. There's this this hunger, this almost addiction for for discovery to to uncover that next book, that next course, that next program. And it, yeah. and it seems like, you know, um, a lot of that is around understanding yourself better and understanding the world better. What do you, yeah. what do you think that like that driving force is? I mean, what is the, what is the Holy grail beyond that? What it, why do everybody or why do those types of people like you and like I, um, seek yeah. that, that ex- have that exploratory mindset, that discover, um, personality trait. Well, I believe that it happened before we incarnated, right? Mm-hmm. I think that we we knew that there were things to discover. Mm-hmm. And we knew and and we had this innate 
this instinct, this intuition, this internal drive, as you call it, to have the experience. And really, it's to awaken and remember the origin of our soul. And that those people make up the seekers and, and the ones that, you know, we know that there's something more and yeah. we want to experience it. And it's almost like, wait a minute, how would I know there's anything more than just this is what you do and then this, that's it? No, we know there's more. It is, it's in our, it's in our DNA. And so for some people that want to awaken and that are in this life to awaken right now, uh, we're the ones that are, you know, not pushing those doors open saying, let me see. I want to see what's on the other side of that door. I want to experience even more than see. I want to feel it. So to awaken and remember the origins of Mm -hmm. your soul. Yes. To, to, to go on the journey of self-discovery to explore the world so that you can understand yourself better to be like, oh, this is, this is me experiencing the world and this is who I am in relation to the world, to understand how you relate to the world and to yourself. Yes, yeah. yes. And how this, how, how, um, this invisible part of ourself mm-hmm. that, and, and, and the other side of the veil, as they call it in spiritual circles, to experience that while we're here on earth. Mm-hmm. And, and as an expression, an extension of that. Mm-hmm. Because truly, we're energy and we're vibration living in a human suit. Mm-hmm. This is just meat, meat suits with antennae, right? That are, uh, that are <laughs> tapping into the universe, yeah. connecting with ourselves. Yes. Oh, yes, wow. the higher self. And and so that to me is why some people, and I believe that those of us that are that, we are to help others mm-hmm. along the way. And because that's where the fulfillment comes from. It's not going to be, you know, and I've lived the life of luxury before. It's not there. Mm-hmm. I promise you. Now, don't get me wrong. I love first class on airplanes. <laughs> and I, I can't wait to be there again. I'm sitting in the back of the bus lately. But the point is, is I'm more fulfilled now than I've ever been in my life. Yeah. And a lot of that does have to do with the soul calling coming forth. Mm-hmm. You know, so I have these two, two equally important missions, helping mm-hmm. others to awaken, remember mm-hmm. who they are and their brilliance, their magnificence and their, their beauty. And also go love these communities that are in tremendous despair. Mm. Do you feel like there is a tie in between those two, um, situations? Are, are you, um, and I don't know this, but is one group, um, is there something that you're solving with the one group with helping them find themselves, love themselves, undercover themselves and be able to heal themselves? Is there a translation of a mechanism or, or something that you do that could translate to actually helping, um, these uh, children in Africa? God, I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to help me, aren't you? No, you guys already are. Um, you know what, Dylan, I, That hasn't ever been like the intention when mm-hmm. I'm working with someone. However, sure. what I do believe is true mm-hmm. that when we do heal and we do enlighten for lack of a better word or, or, or we become more aware of who we are as these divine beings here and we all have a mission and, and as people learn this about themselves and, and, and experience that deep love for self, mm-hmm. you cannot help but to want to share that. 
So whether it's helping children in Africa or the Amazon or Asia or saving trees or the dolphins or, you know, something else, I believe that as we heal, we want to help heal the world. Yeah. That exp- so with that, um, what it makes me think about is you seem to be very very good at having a clear purpose of what are you doing and why you're doing it and what drives you. Um, What advice would you give to young people that don't have that clarity of vision, of purpose, of mission? You know, do they need to heal themselves in order to find that mission or do they find that mission and then heal themselves? What advice would you give to somebody uh, to be able to find their own mission to, to be on their own journey? First, I would say trust in the process. Mm. You know, I'm going to be 51. So when I was 10 years old, 8 years old, 12 years old, and I kept seeing the the starving children and I would tell my mother, I'm going to help them when I grow up. Life had some detours for me. I also know that Mm. everything I've been through has prepared me for now. Mm -hmm. So trust in the process of life first and foremost. Yes, put healing front and center. I learned this on the jungle ground, face down, having a rough, (laughs) rough night. My husband and I both. This is the great lesson for us all. It was a very dark, scary night. Mm. I told you about this, Dylan. And my husband was having a particularly hard, I I felt the void of what, what it feels like without the light. Okay. So I walked through that. And so did he, but he was having a little harder of a time than I was. And I heard, and you know, I am a Jesus channeler. So Mm -hmm. Jesus was talking to me that night and he said, Teresa, go help him. And I know his voice and it's because of near death experiences. I recognize his voice and it's always in my right ear. So he said, go to Victor. And when I heard that and I went to help my husband, that darkness left me. That darkness was gone. And Mm -hmm. he said, you see, love in action transcends everything. Love in action transcends everything. Every doubt, every fear, every worry, everything. And, And I have... I mean, I have moments where I'm like, holy moly, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. I've got these communities waiting for me and, you know, where I've never done this before. And I know, Mm -hmm. okay, my brain's looking around and I've got back into, you know, this 3D reality and my brain is looking Mm -hmm. for a time that I've done this before and I never have. And I would have tremendous fear. Mm -hmm. Like, (gasps) like I'd wake up like that gasping, like, oh my gosh, they're counting on me. And how can I do this? And of course I would hear love in action transcends everything. If anybody can, you can. And I would, and I would come back to, yes, when you're operating from the vibration of love, which is the highest vibration there is, when you're operating from that point, man, the stars align. The people align, the supernatural blessings happen and doors open and it just, you trust in the process that it will, not that I don't have work to do, trust me, I do, but I just know that it's coming to pass. Yeah. So, I mean, with that, it sounds like on the opposite side of fear, there's love. Like on the, on the, if you Mm -hmm. can get, if you can get past that, that, that fear of 
take this action because so many of us, you know, we want to be loved, but we're afraid for exposing ourselves. We want to connect, but yeah. we, we can't open up to receive that connection. And so we're trying to connect with a closed heart. We're trying to connect in yes. a safe place, but that is not where the connection happens. It, it happens at a, a point of vulnerability, a point of authentic uh, connection and it's absolutely not, and that that whole uh what i love was love and action because you can love quietly in your room and say mm-hmm. it only to yourself but it is but you have to take action in order to really cash in that love or or expend those points or whatever you want to call it but you have to take action you have to send a note whisper a message write a poem uh post fearfully oh, yeah. on on social media about your heart being <laughs> open and and the, yeah because you need to take that action in order to, in order to gain that that um that status of love and here's the cool thing yeah it's limitless the more you give of love the bigger it grows mm. it's limitless it's an endless supply it never ever ever ends it always is and uh when i was in the jungle last what last week when no i've been home for a week so two weeks ago <laughs> and i had a beautiful experience for change and no, i've had lots of beautiful experiences Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. but this one actually was with the creator and he she looked like it was just light but it was the experience that I had and the feeling that I had and then being shown like love is the answer. It doesn't matter the question, mm-hmm. you know, worry about for anything. I could see the vibration of love. And as you experience oneness with that, mm-hmm. you elevate and all of those other, the worries, the doubts, the fears, the unforgiveness, the resentments, the, the illness, the, uh, just all of the other stuff. It looked like, uh, they look like, um, black wires infiltrated around all of this energy and it just, psh, just disappeared. Ooh, so the black wires. Uh, showing? Yeah. Those were all negative thought forms. So were the black wires wrapping up and kind of, um, dimming the light of love? Is that what you're saying? No, no. no. It, I was just being shown mm. that once you have that experience of oneness, mm-hmm. okay, once you have that experience of, of that divine love, mm-hmm. we've all had it. You can have it while you're creating something. You can have it with the child. You can have it smelling a flower or seeing an ocean wave. This was a an injection, like huge, right? Once that happened, I was being shown how the negativity that mm. we all have, how it just falls away so effortlessly. Mm. You just the uh, the the energy of love burns away all the negativity and all the fears and all the yes. doubts. Yes. Mm. Interesting. Yes. And so then you're not operating. So oftentimes we're operating from those negative belief systems, right? Of fear, worry, doubt, not enoughness, not good enough, not lovable, whatever. Mm -hmm. Even though we still have the other part, we just sometimes pay attention to what's negative because our brain is going, you better be on guard. You're trying to protect yourself, trying to be safe, trying to do that, and you choose you choose safety over love sometimes, which is yes. ultimately doesn't doesn't feed your soul and doesn't let your true inner self come out. It just it just won't. 
you, it, it won't allow you when we operate from that mm-hmm. to live the life you really want to live and that you were born to live and that you're here for. I love it. What that makes me think about is before you mentioned a trigger document of, of identify your triggers, identify your negative beliefs, and then what do you want to have? Would you have a recommendation for someone that wanted to go on a quest of flipping that around of identifying their love patterns and what those beliefs are and what that would look like? Mm-hmm. Is there anything you've ever thought about that of, you know, cause one thing is, you know, you want to stop the bad, but you also want to inject the good. Is there oh, a- absolutely. There, I, I, what I, what I normally tell, encourage and challenge uh-huh. people to do is find the thing, find the thing that brings you the most joy and spend more time doing that. Even if it's like, well, I have to stay at this job. Everyone, there is something that we can all do. And joy is a great clue (laughs) because that's, you know, the things that make you smile, the things that lift your heart, the things that distract you from stresses of life, the thing that you just, you, you feel yourself beaming from the inside out. It can be building orphanages. It can be underwater basket weaving. It could be working at the SVCA. It can be making sandwiches for the homeless. The, the thing doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It is about own unique divine expression of joy. Yeah. Yeah, what is the what what is the activity that brings you the most joy that you can then take and magnify and share with the world so that you can embody yes. more of that joy? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, so in terms of let's just let's 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 just let's, let's paint a beautiful f- future here. Uh, multiple yeah. years go by. Um, you yeah. are able to go to Africa. You are able to do all the things you wanted to do there, right? Mm-hmm. What is what does mm-hmm. that future look like for you? What is that what does that end holy grail look like for you in terms of being able to you say, okay, I have I have been able to do this, and I and I I feel like I have reached my purpose, high, my highest calling and purpose. Oh, well, if wishes and bets were candies and nuts and it was Christmas morning, yeah. <laughs> like that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious about That's what it's, yeah, <laughs> I was like, what does that look like for you? And then, uh, I have some yeah. other questions after that. Sure. If I could dream a dreamer's dream and uh-huh. I'm a heck of a dream, it would be that no child in the world is alone, mm-hmm. in danger, starving, sick that they would all have a safe, happy home to live in, Mm -hmm. that they would have food in their bellies and a pillow and a blanket Mm -hmm. and love. And that is my greatest dream. And, and, you know, to help the, 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 even not just the kids, but these communities where the elderly can't even get to the clinics, where the, 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 the adults don't know what to do, like really establishing, you know, for people to feel useful, everyone wants to feel useful, mm-hmm. Get, helping them find means mm-hmm. to be able to take care of families. And, and it's really, it will take the whole communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but truly I'm a, I'm a mom, a mom of moms. And as you know, <laughs> 100%. and, and I want to, I want to mom all those kids to love, you know? <laughs> I uh, I just I, I pitch you with a a a small village of children around you and your arms outstretched as far as possible, 
And it's, yeah. it sounds like the, the really creating that infrastructure, a healthy community infrastructure where people are safe, people are loved, people yes. feel valued. And it is, and it is a community of, of a reinforcement of a, of a healthy mind, body, and spirit. Uh, 100%. You nailed, nailed it on the head. Wow. Yeah. That's a big mission. It's a big mission. It's a beautiful mission. I need all the helpers I can get. <laughs> you can get there. Well, you know, so many people, it's funny, whenever I like, I look back and, you know, you, you always like, you, you take steps in the journey, like, oh, this is taking forever. But then you stop and you look back and you realize how far you've came on that mission. And, you know, just in the short time that I've known you to see you um, struggle so hard in the jungle and to see you go back again and again and again, you've taken so many mm-hmm. steps and you've found your mm-hmm. mission, communicated the mission, and you've been able to even bravely go onto social media and all these other places and put out that resonance of this is who I am and this is what I stand for, which not a lot of people even get to that point in their lives. I often believe that yeah. many people live lives of quiet desperation, screaming into the pillow, why is my life so terrible? When really, mm. it sounds like they need to flip that script and go, how mm. do I need to take action with love? And it feels mm-hmm. like that you've been able to, to, to do that and you've been able to communicate that in such a beautiful way. And I, and I want to honor you for uh, having Aww. the bravery for sharing that. Thank you, Dylan. <laughs> you know, words of affirmation is my love language. Keep it going. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I, I, the jungle has been such a pivotal, um, part of my journey because Mm. I have seen things and I have been shown what will happen. And I've been, it has healed me in ways I didn't even know I needed to be healed. Um, all of it has, you know, Mm. the neuroscience part piece of that, the emotional trauma piece, Mm. the, the healing of my, uh, spiritual beliefs and what is true and what was I told that wasn't true or taught that wasn't true and, and awakening to truth in that regard has been, you know, ha- is my fortress. It is my strength. Mm-hmm. It is how I can get on a plane and go stay in the yeah, middle nice. of the, of the, of the bush inside yeah. the park, not yeah. knowing I picked this place and I was completely alone with animals all over the place. And the guy says, if you run into trouble, yell really loud and we might be able to hear you. And it's <laughs> comforting. That's- yeah. But don't come out at night because there's leopards and lions and you'll get hunted. So, you know, I was like, shoot, Ooh. after the Amazon jungle and those nights down there, piece yeah. of cake. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, this, you know, the, I mean, what do you do on like, I'm just super curious, like, uh, whether it's morning routines or night routines, I mean, how do you armor up for the day? How do you, how do you build that momentum? I mean, one thing is through the, you know, you have a trigger, you have a response, you go through it, you identify those patterns, but what are, what activities do you do to armor up psychologically, physically, mentally, spiritually, so that you can, you can battle all these, um, you know, circumstances that life throws at you? I stay in constant communion with the spirit. Mm. I am just always connecting to that. However, sometimes so much that, you know, I have to do more grounding things, right? And and exercise, of course, is one of them. Rock climbing with my husband, you know, that's a big thing that we do that it, it brings me back into the body and into the physical reality. Um, I pray a lot. Yeah. I pray, I talk to God, I read and study, um, I write, 
I do all of the things, you know, I affirm, I visualize. So I am a, you know, the visions I get. I am such a visionary and such a visual person that, that every night when I go to sleep, I'm visualizing what I want to create. That's beautiful. When I go to sleep on purpose, because your brain Mm -hmm. cannot tell the difference between a deeply embedded visualization and reality. And so I'm building neuropathways to my experience really smart right before I go to bed. So what does that look like? Because I'm curious with that right before bed. So do you, you yeah. lay in bed? Do you have a piece mm-hmm. of paper by your bed? You pull out the piece of paper nope. and you read it? No. What do you do? Nope. I, I go to sleep or I, I'm close my eyes, uh-huh. you know, usually Victor's snoring by then. He's uh-huh. fall asleep in about 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, he's like, he's shaking his head. He just got back from the gym, shaking his head at me, throwing, throwing him under the bus again. (laughs) He falls asleep really fast. I don't, I'm a menopausal lady. We don't sleep that much. Um, you know what? I go into beautiful, beautiful images of Mm -hmm. what I want to experience. So it'll be, um, uh, and I will be asking questions a lot of times too, like, how am I going to do this? I get a lot of answers in that, those quiet moments of, you know, this person needs to help you with this. This is what they're going to be good at. I mean, I just get downloads all the time in those quiet hours. Um, and and I the visualization are very detailed. Mm-hmm. It'll be what it's going to look like. The structures. I did this when Victor and I got married. I knew exactly what my reception, what the ceremony was going to be like, what the reception was going to be like, and it was exactly like that. So we have a lot of power Mm -hmm. to create. We are the explorer creator race. We are here to create. So when people are, are sitting on the couch and feeling victim to life, that's their creation. Mm, now I'm not it. talking about children that have been victimized, right? Mm. I'm talking about adults. We have the power to recreate what we want to experience. Yeah. We can end each day and say that was enough for the day. That day is over, and tomorrow is a new day. So you just sit there and you, or lay there and you, and you cut off that day at that moment and say, okay, this, I am going to stop this day. And I am going to prep for the next day. So I am going to close my eyes. I and I'm going, to, I'm going to pace. I future pace. Future pace? Is that? I future pace myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, is that it, what you it, call it, the nighttime it, routine? The, no, it's a visualization process. Oh, but okay. future pacing is like you're telling yourself, you know, and here's a, here's a great description of it that I learned from Michael Bernoff. In the days and the weeks and the months that come and in the years that are going to follow, I'm going to look back on this moment and I'm going to see that in that moment I was able to create my own experience. And in, as the days and the weeks and the months pass, everything that I wanted to create opened up for me and the path was way easier than I ever thought it was going to be. Oh, future pace. So you're literally yeah. creating a mental roadmap, a mental model to say, I choose this reality. I choose this scenarios and these steps, and this is what will happen. And you will mentally rep through it at night so that you wake up and you are already going down that path of a future pace that you've already planned. Absolutely. And so when we do this, <clears throat> the subconscious mind will replay that over and over and over again while you sleep. Wow. So it's a really intelligent way to manifest. That's beautiful. Wow. Yeah. It's a nice little trick, huh? That's, a, that's an incredible <laughs> trick. As, I love that. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's do this. I think that's a, a beautiful way to, to end this podcast. If people want to get a hold of you, Teresa, how should they reach out to you? 
email me, Teresa at TeresaVigorino.com. I'm the only Teresa Vigorino in the world, apparently. So now my, my personal page is Teresa Vigorino Lazaro, which Lazaro is my married name. But um, Teresa Vigorino, you can Google me. There's tons of free information all over the internet talking about everything we talked about and in detail so that people can transform their lives and really, really up-level who they are. And really, it's not up-leveling who you are. You already are that. It's just relearning who you are, remembering who you are, awakening to your best self. Awakening to your best self. Beautiful. And if yeah. you, and if you uh, send me some of those links, uh, some of those exercises, I'd be happy to link them back to you. So absolutely uh, beautiful. Well, thank you for your time, Teresa. Very much appreciate it. And until I uh, see you in person soon. It sounds great. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye.